0: This episode of Super Pulp Science is brought to you by The Dragon Nanny.
1: Now available at McNally Robinson in Winnipeg. We just restocked.
0: Attention, citizens! It's time for Super Pulp Science. This is Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. I am here with my long-suffering co-host, Justin Curry, known the world over as Chasing Artwork. You may also hear the occasional mutterings, scuffings, scutterings, and barkings of Pistachio the Studio Dog. Joining us today (laughs) is all I thought you were
2: describing me. <laughs> you usually go to me, no, after, Dan. After you, see, your story, you see my name, so I thought you were all that was to describe me. Well, the thing
0: was, Dan, I thought if the dear listener heard all those noises and they're used to me introducing you, they're thinking, "What is Dan doing right now?" And I was trying to, uh, you know, set it up properly. But Dan Vettaboncour is also on our podcast. He is oh, also a little back. bit scruffy. He's a little bit scruffy. Uh, he's a little bit scrappy, but he's extremely loyal. And, uh, actually, now that I think of it, you've been to the groomer recently. You've got a nice new haircut. Oh, no, 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 no,
2: no, no. It just really. looks
0: great. You got David. great hair today. You've got like, um, <laughs> David Lynch
2: hair. Thanks. Well, that's a compliment. Thank you. That's, that's nice a drive for compliment. David Lynch hair. Are you kidding me? He's awesome. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah.
0: I mean, I don't know where he gets off being a brilliant filmmaker, an interesting public speaker, and then also having that great hair well into his advanced twilight years. It's not really, doesn't seem like uh, we all got the same amounts of that luck. Yeah. Gentlemen, I want to rant a little bit today, but before I warm up to that rant, uh, I want to just say that the sun is shining again in Winnipeg, and it feels like hope is in the air. The worldwide numbers are in decline. People are starting to figure out how to plan events again. Prematurely, I believe. Yes, but it does feel like people are ready for all of this to be over. And um, I think in that vein, if we imagine that we're going to take all the work we've done this past year and bring it back into the world, we should think about what it's worth and how we decide what it's worth and not just what to charge for it, but why to charge that for it and when to charge that for it. I think these are useful things to be on people's minds. Um, I had a a Zoom call with a group of creatives last night, actually well into the wee hours of the morning. Uh, It felt like the first social event I'd had in a long time. It was 2 a.m. and suddenly it was like, oh, wow, we should go to bed. Uh, It almost felt like a real gathering. But one of the things we were talking about was uh, all the work we've been doing to save our own lives. Just to like combat the boredom, the ennui, the restlessness, the anger, the frustration, the, you know, political angst. All that stuff that goes into being an artist and having nowhere to go and nowhere to show it. And then when the shows finally happen again how so many of us just would be content to just give it all away like we're just so happy that we get to be around people again it'll be hard to ask for money for things um
2: i, I think that people Dan, you're making a funny fit. well i think the people that will be happy to give you money like i don't think that's going to be an issue people are being i i and i've heard a couple of different um um news stories about this they're expecting a big surge of spending and and activity after it all passes like people are going to go on to go traveling again people are going to want to go to shows again they're going to want to see concerts again all this stuff is going to be happening and there's going to be a lot of it so i think yeah. i don't think how much price
0: this... how much what, price gouging you think there's gonna
2: well be... that, that's yeah that's the question right so that, i don't know that's that's certainly going to happen unfortunately it's, it's kind of part of the nature of the beast or whatever
1: so this this last week um I I have a, a like a certain investment I'm I'm part of in um, in America in the states, and part of that includes me getting like a special little um, piece of tax form fill out filled out and, and sent off and and filed back. So just because I was doing stuff like that, I just started to get going on my 2020 taxes um, because I am notoriously terrible for being late on my taxes like just getting them all together and sending them off and um to make American it American seem-
0: who are listening we have very different laws in Canada <laughs> yeah it, it is not if I mean it, it is technically a crime but it's not the kind of crime where they show up at your house and seize all your assets immediately and then angrily demand their money uh, it's a little more civilized. In the end, they have a heavy hammer they can drop on us if we don't pay. They still but get the money not, in the end. Yeah. They still get the money in the end. But they just charge you a small fine for being a little late here in Canada if you're a little late.
2: Is that really what they do in the
0: States? <laughs> it's bad, yeah. I mean, people all over... Uh, if you're an American listener and you want to clarify this, I'm not like really up on my U.S. tax law. Everything I know is from friends of mine who are in the States panicking about their tax bill uh, and trying to scrape money together because they're it becomes very uh litigious and like a collection agency is after you but it's your taxes and the government and there's uh a lot of uh a lot more fear associated with the tax man in america than in canada that's for sure
1: Hmm. um when i was younger too like when i had a, a real job like a normal person Taxes included me taking one piece of paper into like H&R Block or getting my uncle or or family member to put in the the one slip of paper into the program and that being it. But now that I'm running my own business and have multiple streams of income and all these expenses, I have to keep track of all of that. So I have 12 Excel spreadsheets for every month where I'm keeping track of um, like work expenses and travel expenses. And, you know, I pay for my programs. I get to claim that like all like, so it's, it's like two full days of like data entry to do my taxes. Um, and that's part of the reason I usually put it off is because it's two days of doing something that is not fun. Um, but anyways, this year I was, uh, it's been kind of looming 2020 because no, uh, nothing like that. And I was kind of scared to find out what my financial year has been like um, just with income and, and stuff like that. And I was so pleasantly surprised to find out that I was doing just fine with my online store and commissions and freelance. I did well enough that if if the lockdown never dissipated, I would be doing, I would be fine. And I can't tell you how much of a relief that was. And just this last week, it felt like, yeah, a huge weight has been lifted off my shoulders to realize that I was just, I was scared to take a look too closely. And now that I've taken a close look at everything and know that I can survive without conventions, it's like opened up my mind to all these possibilities of what life could look like moving
0: could f- look like,
1: well, and forward. you know,
0: before anyone, before anyone who's listening gets all up in arms about us, yes, there's an enormous amount of privilege that comes from being able to say, I'm not totally sure, because as long as I keep moving, my monthly bills are paid, and wh- how it all comes out in the wash, you know, I figure out at tax time. You know, that's that's one thing that I think is important for us to uh, uh, feel a great relief about. But uh, what you guys don't know about Justin is that uh, from the outside, he's a guy who is constantly planning what the big project is and how to make it work. Uh, and I've never seen a person work as hard as this guy around the clock. Uh, hustle Culture's got nothing on Justin, I will say that. <laughs> Don't you realize that Jeremy's brain was unique? Suppose all those great brains had been allowed to continue their work, unhampered by their bodies. We had for years a system where as long as we were hustling, we could count on a certain measured amount of income every month. And as long as we kept running, kept our feet on the treadmill, it it would turn that wheel and, you know, water would come up from the well. During COVID, we had to work just as hard and sometimes you didn't know if it would pay off because so much of freelance is working up front. So those of you who are like, well, how could you not know how it would turn out? is You have to remember that unlike a day job where every two weeks a pay stub comes and you know exactly how to budget, uh, in a freelance capacity, you might work three weeks, five weeks, seven weeks before you get paid and you have to chase that invoice, and it comes as a lump sum, and then you have to divide it backwards across your living expenses. It's not as clean and easy as uh, uh, those of you who have regular.
1: Oh yeah, data. it's just it's a it's a mess. It's a uh, yeah, feast and famine, and little bits here and little bits there. And I I don't micromanage that kind of stuff. I just like you said, I I just keep moving and keep doing things, hoping that when I add it up. All at the end of the day, that I'm going to be okay, and and that's what happened. I added it all up, and it turns out I'm going to be okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, Tara and I were doing the same thing, dear listener. Tara is my wife uh, and uh, exceptional life partner. She and I have been doing that for the last little while to just say, like, okay, we have to work a lot. Is it helping? Right? Is it making a difference? Is it right? Are we working smarter? Or are we just working harder? Um, and we had a a similar kind of tally where it was like, okay, okay, we can make this work. This can work. Maybe Mm -hmm. if uh, society crumbles down in flames around us, we can survive for a little while. That's fine. And then we'll go live in the woods until, uh, the ammunition runs out.
1: I think it's also worth mentioning too, that like my, my, okay year of 2020 came from 10 years of hustling at conventions and all those other places like boots on the ground kept me, kept me going this year and I think can keep me going. But had I not you know, spent however many years doing 30 events a year, I don't think I'd be in the position that I'm in today. So it's not like I just, yeah, was able to find fresh new clients and fresh new work. I think I just started to really harvest all those seeds that I planted doing the convention circuit for so long.
0: Let me ask you this. When you were working on all these different projects, how did you decide which ones were okay to just be for you? They would not make, potentially, they wouldn't make any money. Maybe it's a book. Maybe it's a print. Maybe it's like three weeks of uh, designing a piece of artwork that goes nowhere. How do you make that distinction these days because we haven't been spending time together in the studio so i haven't been able to Mm. observe that so i can't um reveal all your secrets right now online you'll have to
1: um if i'm i think just after doing this for so long there's um there's a certain level of excitement about the about working on a project and the potential of its um like not its product line, but it's it's the internet's reaction to it, and I think I've just learned to really trust that. Even if I'm unsure, I'm I trust my gut at this point, and so there's a couple big projects coming up that, um, yeah, I just know deep down that they're going to stand on their own two legs, and I think that just comes from small incremental projects like that getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And now I can risk a couple months of work on, on big book projects that you know would be considered risky. But now, yeah, I think are gonna be okay. In it's the a dark tough question. Of,
0: yeah, in the dark of the night when doubt assails you, when uh, fear and worry start to dribble up around you that you've made the wrong choice. How do you push that away? What do you do to...
1: I think that that? Should all, that's always there, regardless of what's going on, I think. And I think that always should be there in some degree. You should always be kind of second guessing yourself along the way. There's that like at the beginning of the project, you are like so fired up about it and so excited. And you have like just the, the grandest ideas of where this is going to go. And then the first 30% of the project, you're like, am I an idiot for putting time into this? This is so dumb. Like this is never going to work. And then at a certain point you start to kind of like reassure yourself that yes, it's going to work. It's going to work. But up until it's finished, I think you always have some degree of, am I I an idiot for spending time on this? This is never going to work.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, recently for me, I uh, pitched a project to a publisher that was um, a surprise to me because, and I mean, I alluded to this maybe on another episode, but this idea that wordless comics could be easier for foreign publishers to license um, because they don't require translation from a business standpoint, comics that have no words but tell a strong visual story. Um, can cross borders a lot more easily. So Mm -hmm. I went looking through a large collection of work I had done in the past where there wasn't enough exposition in them to fit what I had viewed as my style as a writer and as a storyteller. And so they had gone into various files and folders and whatnot as just these silent comics that I didn't know really what I'd do with. I felt like they were unfinished, even though when I worked on them, I was like, okay, well, that's the whole story. I don't need to add words, but because people are used to so many words from me, I don't know what to do with these. And then this idea that I talked over with the publisher of these wordless comics, I went through and realized that I could very easily put together a whole collection of these things that I had thought were little orphans. Uh, Now they all had a home and If they had been the kind of project that I had just stopped halfway and said, oh, this is useless. I don't have any place for this. They they would still be useless. But because I'd finished each one, I made them small, and I made sure that they had a beginning, middle, and end. And when they were done, I could put them away, and they were finished. But it means now that I have these beginning, middle, and end stories that are silent, that can all fit together in a collection of silent stories. Um, Which... On the outside, when the book comes out, it'll seem like a plan, which Mm -hmm. I always think is really funny. How often you take a book off a shelf and you assume this was the plan all along. But so rarely is it the plan all along. But you must have content finished in order for anything to be done with it. And so present day me was really thanking past me for not giving up in the dark, for not panicking, for not... um, putting it aside and instead finishing it, even if it was short, only eight pages here or a 10 page story there or five page story there, because now all put together, I've got a, you know, a little hundred page book that I can put out. And that, um, is made of that. Is that why we
1: like the, the, is that why we love the, the making of our, um, early concept work in the back of, of graphic novels and art books. It's because, It's that comforting blanket of they weren't sure either the entire way. Like, look at the crazy things they were going to do in the early stages of of that, you know, that movie, that game, that book. Like, they had no idea when they started out. Um, Yeah, and I
0: think I can say with some confidence, Justin, you and I have been, you know, around, you know, around the world in some regards, meeting lots of people. Nobody has any idea what they're doing. No. Right, like there isn't a single person that had a clear vision that worked all the way through to the end. It just, that's a thats a myth. They're both of them working on something very mysterious. Top secret.
1: I was thinking about this the other day. I was watching a, a movie on, I think like Amazon Prime or, or Netflix about about an artist. And I was thinking about artist portrayal in movies. But I think this is true of pretty much any profession. The movie version of that profession is a very twisted view of what it's actually like. And artists in movies, right? They're always like sad and morose and they can't think of anything. They can't, you know, the ideas aren't coming. And then some big life moment will happen and they'll get their perfect idea and they'll get it down perfectly the first time. And then it's huge success, right? And that's how art in movies works. It's, yeah, you're terribly depressed that one idea magically works out great the first time and yeah, you become a rich, successful artist. And I think growing up, like that's kind of the idea I had of how it worked. Yeah. It poisons people. The idea
0: that the hero's (laughs) journey and the creative journey are somehow a one to one matchup, you know, like that is just completely false, but it's how you tell a dynamic story. So you have to, frame the person's creative output like that you know but i have four or five projects on the go right now and three of them um hoping to see print before the end of 2021 and they've been uh long slow roller coasters that seem to lead nowhere die and then you come back and take it apart for parts and put it back together into a new machine and they you know yeah yeah I would long for a hero's journey style story of my own story making, you know, <laughs> even, uh, even the best ones, even the ones that start so great. But like don't... if a
1: documentary crew came and followed you around to, to make that, they would well, they take that one. Well, yeah, but they would take bits of the one, like, you know, you making the one book and make it look like it was all one project. Whereas it would yep. actually be, you working on a million different things, they would just take what worked, what was succinct to make that one story better. Yeah, totally. It's Yeah.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Kind of like, you know, in your cupboard, you have all the ingredients for dinner, Mm -hmm. right? And so if they were going to, if a documentary crew came to watch you be a chef, they'd watch you prepare dinner, right? But you actually learn how to make those things by making hundreds of dinners that don't taste that great out of the same set of ingredients, you know? Uh, And nobody's interested in the ones that are kind of bland, right? Same with your storytelling, right? Those are the ones that don't see print, that don't see publication, but they're all part of the practice of getting better at it. Um, And then figuring out your value.
1: Go ahead. Which leads us to the value part of our discussion.
0: Yeah. Um, Speaking of value, NFTs,
1: gentlemen. What do you know? What are I I've heard it murmured on the internet over the last couple of weeks. It's like
2: the bad guy in the bad sci-fi movie, to be honest. It is uh yeah.
1: <laughs> You're not a fan. Uh, I can tell by your tone, Gregory. You're not a fan of NFTs.
2: what what do you
0: think about my tone about non-
2: <laughs> You're very uh <laughs> sorry, what does it stand for?
0: Non-fungible
1: tokens. <laughs> It sounds like something nasty you pick up in the rainforest.
0: It is kind of nasty. Okay, so
1: <laughs> explain any, to the dear listeners what an yeah. NFT is. It sounds complicated, but
0: it's very simple. Um it connects to Bitcoin, right? So the first thing you have to understand is Bitcoin is an internet currency, right? Um you pay money, you buy a piece of this currency and you can trade it. It has a value much higher than a dollar. One Bitcoin is often worth hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. So you can buy a percentage, you can buy 0.1 of a Bitcoin, right? So think of it like, uh, you know, any other kind of currency, just for the sake of our argument right now, with one very notable exception that we'll get to. And then if... um, An NFT is when you take a piece of artwork, a digital file, and you mint it using Bitcoin. So it requires you to buy Bitcoin. So then you can mint your artwork according to the value of this Bitcoin. And then you put it up on an open market, almost like a stock market, and people bid on the artwork in Bitcoin. And then you get paid in Bitcoin, which then you convert. Now, if it seems weird that I'm emphasizing the word Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin over and over, that should make you suspicious. It'd be the same as if I said, I have some artwork that you can only buy with Gregory dollars. Do you know where you get Gregory dollars, Dan?
2: From Gregory.
0: Oh, it's funny you should mention that, Dan. I do have Gregory dollars would you like some gregory dollars
2: i would rather have gregory dollars than bitcoin i'll tell you
0: that much because i'll sell you one gregory dollar for 10 canadian dollars how's that sound
2: uh how much is a gregory dollar worth
0: it's worth 11 gregory it's worth 11 dollars i promise <laughs> okay. i promise
2: sounds good Where, okay so, wrong?
0: hey justin hey justin that gregory dollar that you bought for a dollar right, is now worth $10 because Dan was foolish enough to get it for $10, <laughs> right? That's how the free okay. market works in stocks, right? right? Now, hold so, on. So Gregory dollars, you've got, you've both got some Gregory dollars now. Yours are worth more than Dan's only because you bought early. All right, Justin, we've yeah, been friends yeah. for longer. So you have more Gregory dollars and it costs you less to get them than poor Dan who came in late. Right. But Ask me first. I've made this wonderful drawing which I will put on the internet as a JPEG. And I'm going to make it so that I sell you a receipt for this piece of art. And it'll only cost you 100 Gregory dollars. Do you have any? So is Gregory the artwork,
1: is like the, the, those Gregory dollars now like encoded with that artwork? Are they somehow like
0: Foolish interlocked? Foolish asking questions about how it works. Just wait, we have to explain how. You can make money selling artwork with Gregory dollars. Okay. How many Gregory dollars do you have, Justin?
1: Well, if I have 100 because I got in early and Dan has 10 because he got in late and we paid the same amount of money.
0: Right. Right. Okay. If I want to, I'm going to sell you my artwork for 10 Gregory dollars. Okay. Then you're going to sell it you're going to sell it to Dan for a hundred Gregory dollars because he's got the bug and he thinks Gregory dollars are worth a lot, right? So now you've got some Gregory dollars and a Gregory NFT. The NFT is a receipt for the image that I showed you saying that you're the owner of that image. The image can still be copied, still be stored on other places, still exist all over the internet, but you're the only one who holds the receipt. So you can claim that it's yours.
1: So do you own like the copyright to it? The trademark? Like, is it your nope. intellectual property now? No, nope. you
0: just own a receipt. What's, I, so is it the prestige? <laughs> yes. Like, like, is it, you the, know what? I'm as so soon rich. As I... Someone sees you with an NF, a Gregory NFT worth so much, so many Gregory dollars. They think, that you're real alpha and that you're so much more of a person than someone with less Gregory dollars. And you know who tells them that? Gregory. Gregory does. Gregory Gregory tells them that. (laughs) And that keeps a free market buying Gregory dollars so they can buy products with Gregory dollars so they can claim the Gregory dollar has value so that the Gregory dollar does have value. And it goes round and round like a merry-go-round. It's not unlike a pyramid scheme. The only difference is it's a pyramid scheme wrapped inside something that feels to the outsider like the stock market.
1: Hmm.
2: I get that part of it, but what does the art have to do with it?
0: Nothing. Yeah, I don't... The way... It's like Pokemon. Okay. Right. A Pokemon card has, has no inherent value. It has an arbitrary value. Yeah. It's the difference between... Um, what's the word? It's an ascribed value versus an actual value. The ascribed value of a foil Charizard, right, is higher than your little energy token. But they're both cardboard cards. Worth identical. It's only they your ascribed value. It the
2: costs the same amount of money to make those two cards from. That's right. The
0: person selling Pokemon cards or Gregory dollars always comes out on top.
2: If she were ever to find out about this. She
1: won't. So, just sort of curious, like if you wanted to actually make an NFT painting, how much would that cost you as an artist, like to get to make one and get it up for, for bidding or whatever?
0: So, in the interest of full disclosure to the podcast listener, I am the son of a stockbroker and I grew up knowing, learning all about how trading works and how ascribed and perceived values work in things. All right. I'm no expert in it. But it didn't scare me the way it does scare some people to ask those questions and look into it. So I went looking. I said, "Okay, this seems like a gold rush. It seems too good to be true. Why don't I make some NFTs? What would I have to do to do that? So it turns out what you have to do first is the red flag. The only way to make an NFT is to buy Bitcoin first. Mm. You have to mint it with Bitcoin. So now you have thousands of artists flooding into the Bitcoin market, buying up Bitcoin. Guess what that does to people who already own Bitcoin? Up. makes them yeah. wealthy. Yeah. So all the people who already own a lot of Bitcoin, guess what they're telling everyone is the next big fad? NFTs. Ah. Right? So it is a, in the, uh, in the stock world, that is called insider trading. When someone with knowledge and world. it's not the stock. That's world, right. They, they're allowed to it, get away with it. It's the wild West out there in yeah. the NFT land. Um, is it illegal? No. Is it stupid? Yes. <laughs> right. So are people make a lot of money quickly. Here's how the math works. About 20% of people could make money from NFTs, which is actually higher than it is. Say if you are investing your money in long-term uh, stocks. So that's true. But it's also extremely volatile. And guess those who those 20% are in most cases. They're the people who, of course, bought in Bitcoin years ago. Mm-hmm. Right? So you're hearing all these stories about how NFTs are selling for big money. Those are true stories. They are selling for big money. But If you can get 10,000 people to sign up for $200 today because you sold something else for $20,000 yesterday, and you do that every day, the net benefit to you, the Bitcoin holder, or the Gregory dollar holder, is always better. It's completely a Ponzi scheme where they're selling things that have no value to people who ascribe a value to a thing they don't actually own. They own the receipt for a thing. They don't Yeah. That,
1: how, do you, how do you showcase it? Like, how do you brag to people? Like I saw some, the, the very first tweet, uh, a screenshot of the very first tweet on Twitter went for like $2 million on yeah. NFT or whatever, right? It's like, okay, so cool, but like- why,
0: The reason why, in my opinion, the fervor is associated with it, is that NFTs are not copyable. You can't currently with any technology fake it. Right. So if I take your NFT receipt information and I plug it in, it's verifiable that there's only one and you're the owner. But beyond that, it's it's the emperor's new clothes, right? And if you'll notice, so many NFTs are people who are not artists, just grabbing images and then minting them, memes, other people's tweets, stuff that has what they're calling cultural cachet, right? Right. It is uh, everything that you hate about the gallery system in the big art market, Justin, um, distilled down to its most vile substance.
1: So is there a way like we can take advantage of this and sell our our work to somebody who will make it into an NFT?
0: See, this is the thing. If it was real, there would be galleries. There would be people who were seeking out real artists and saying your work would be perfect as an NFT. I'd like to represent you as a NFT gallery. But there aren't. Mm -hmm. It's just people stealing JPEGs off the internet and then minting them with Bitcoin so that you will then go and buy some bitcoin and mint your art and do the same thing
2: it would be nice if the value was actually realistic like it was actually the value of the piece like that would be you know but even even if it's still a jpeg though like it's like you can actually yeah. copy like, copy them so they're, they're literally no it's my no jpeg value. no but I you're copying them. something you don't own i just downloaded the jpeg off the internet no problem nope, it's
1: no it's mine I have anything for it yeah that's it it's there's the emperor's new clothes right like What's stopping me from reproducing it, making t-shirts of it, yeah. selling it? Fact,
0: you know, like- let me tell you something great. That one big one, oh, what the hell is it called, that sold for $60 million at the Christie's auction or whatever, the NFT, uh, you can download from their website a 300 gigabyte file of it. You could print it on the side of a building in full resolution yeah. and not have paid any money at all. And so what they're hoping is that people will do that. They'll spread the image, spread it all over. And then when people are like, oh, whose is that? You get to say, that's mine. They're trying to monetize memes.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's A meme
0: gets popular and then someone says, oh, I'm going to mint that. Right? It is... It is very, to me, very abhorrent. It's the opposite of real value in the art world. Now, I will say though, in the interest of full disclosure, you and I do a similar thing every day at shows. So this is me calling, uh, calling out myself. I make an image. I spend five or 10 hours working on it, maybe sometimes up to a week. Uh, then I take it to a printer and I have them make multiple copies of that same image, which I own and I can prove by receipt, which is what copyright is, that it's mine. And then I take it to a show and I sell it to another person and they hang it on their wall and they say, that's mine. But it isn't theirs. It was never theirs, it's mine, right? So there is a pre-existing structure for what is going on that you could argue is there's nothing wrong with it. The problem is, Gregory dollars. If well, you yeah, could one exists buy it in the it,
1: real world and one is Yeah. Yeah, an invisible If you concept. could buy it with
0: any kind of money, then it would exist as a proper commodity. But because you have to buy it with a commodity, the Bitcoin or in my case the Gregory dollar, you are not actually trading in a currency.
1: I don't know why but this you, kind of reminds me of when the like the the Christian church was you could buy lots in heaven and the oh more you God. paid, the, the better your indulgence. yeah, your the better right. your heaven would be, you know. And that's all you had was like the, the bragging rights of like, I own like premium land in heaven because I paid a lot of money for it. And the church validates that with a little piece of paper that says like, this guy gets an awesome lot in heaven.
0: Yeah, that's oh. right. You were, you paid your alms.
2: You pay Dan, your alms. I can't hear you. Sorry, my my mic my mic uh, cuts out sometimes. Sorry, go ahead, Gregory, with your thing about the alms.
0: Yeah. You pay your alms in the sale of indulgences. What happened was the church was short of money, and they convinced mm-hmm. people that you could uh, buy a better place in heaven.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and that really increased their tithing, um, <laughs> but it is of course um, no way to prove it. Right. I suppose if you want to believe in heaven that's your prerogative and if I want to sell you a better place in heaven that's my prerogative but I think we can both agree that there's no way for you to come back and say to me hey you didn't sell me a better place in heaven NFTs are like that yes
1: So are people reselling them like once I own a the you know the what is it that cat with the rainbow tail the Nyan cat or whatever was was a big one once I own that then do I resell it is kind of the idea.
0: If you have Gregory dollars, you can, you can buy it. I could buy it from you, but only in Gregory dollars. And so if your value has gone up, let's say you buy cat with the rainbow and you buy it for a thousand dollars and you put it up for auction and people bid up to $10,000 for it. And then you sell those $10,000 are Gregory dollars. Guess who wins? Yeah.
1: Gregory. Gregory not to call him mr giant anymore he wants me to call him daddy
2: people accept bitcoin as as money in the real world do they not i've heard a few people doing that bitcoin
0: has value don't don't get me wrong i'm not saying bitcoin has no value what i'm saying is bitcoin is not a currency it is a commodity
2: okay i get you i got right
0: you have yeah. to convert it to you have to convert it to your currency now some people accept You can bring me, for example, if you brought me a basket of apples, I'd probably give you one of my uh, art prints for it. I like apples, right? But not everyone accepts apples, right? Or donkeys or, or cows or whatever it is. And this is why we invented money in the first place. But because not everyone accepts Bitcoin, it's not a currency, right? You have to convert it. And also its value is so volatile. On an hourly basis, it can go up and down hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars.
1: And yeah, I I still can't wrap my head around. So you're sitting in your chair, you're sweaty from the bidding war that just went on, and it's over. You paid ten thousand dollars for a GIF of Kermit the Frog sipping tea, right? You own that. Yeah. So you go because it's into. It's not easy being green, Justin. It's not right? easy. Right. It's not easy. So you go into like your, your living room to like, proclaim to your family, like, I am the rightful owner of the Kermit sipping tea. And your kid pulls out their phone and goes like, you mean this? Like I have it too. Like, you know, like, what do you have? It's the
0: same with the Mona Lisa, you could argue, but yes.
2: Now what is the actual, that's what I'm talking about. What is the actual value of the Mona Lisa, right? Because it's a physical, we talked about this before. I feel like we have. it's a physical painting right and you can't take a, a jpeg of the mona lisa it has no value not the the only thing that has value but is you the could... painting
0: so what's actually a value now this is um what's actually a value is the amount of bitcoin you infuse into that nft
1: okay that's
0: what sets its place in so the market just
1: you okay so it's not really the picture it's how much bitcoin you just purchased
0: pretty much right and the receipt has
1: a colorful frog on
0: it right now as you know a colorful frog or a charizard people see their perceived value is different but people don't see it
1: how how where do they see it
0: uh there are websites that host your nf nfts okay so those are the galleries those are like galleries yeah okay yeah but you can only get in there by minting your art with Bitcoin. Okay.
1: Yeah, this uh, yeah. it's starting to stink a if little.
0: If you and I <laughs> want to start a Bitcoin company, maybe we can get in on this. But I don't see it as being... Uh... Now, there are plenty of people who will claim that uh, people are making lots of money at it. Uh, what they seem to all have in common on the Internet is they all have a lot of Bitcoin. Yeah. I have yet to see too many artists who don't have a lot of Bitcoin claiming that Bitcoin-backed art is a good idea. Um, I could be wrong. 10 years from now, when everyone's paying with their Bitcoin debits, I suppose I'll be proven wrong. But as it stands right now, it's very much like the tulip bulbs, remember? No, of course, nobody remembers. So in the 1630s, Tulip bulbs in the Dutch market became super valuable. There was only one place to get these tulips and so everyone wanted them. And that perceived value meant that the people who sold tulip bulbs got fucking rich. <laughs> and the people who grew tulips had some tulips. And that's what NFTs are, right? You you can tulips and they got rich, so right that's that's what's going on in my uh humble and somewhat uneducated opinion now i did run to when i thought it was a good idea and i looked at how to do it and i figured out what it would cost me and i did some cost benefit ratio but the part of me that the alarm bell was like the only thing here that's of value is the Bitcoin itself. Maybe what I should buy is Bitcoin and tell everyone else to buy art. Hmm. And then when I went back into Twitter with that idea in my head, I couldn't unsee that that's what most people seem to be doing. People with Bitcoin telling other people they're going to get rich, minting their art as NFT. And
1: this also opens the doorway to like right now it's it's memes but man if you can if you can attach this kind of stuff to bitcoin they're going to start doing it with sound clips you know like the christian bale screaming at like the sound guy i want that you know i want that clip i want to own that um want it to be mine yeah right like it's just if it was there's just too many things
0: yeah it's uh, and what it is is uh it's uh it's the sale of indulgences it's the tulip bulb it's it's ascribed value no meaning it's just people with money gambling you know i uh i've been to vegas i've been in those high roller rooms not because i was high rolling myself but because i had a nice enough suit on that they let me in and i watch people with the turn of a card Lose a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars, a half a million dollars. Oh, I haven't even finished half of my complimentary beverage in the time that they've lost a million dollars playing cards. It's the same bullshit, right? They're just seeking the thrill that they'll win. Now, that being said, let's uh, make some NFTs. (laughs) <laughs> and uh let's get everyone who listens to super pulp science to a bit on them make sure you well, that's buy some-
1: where my mind first went is like as an artist how does this um stop me from like if somebody buys an nft of my piece can i no longer print it do i no longer own it can i no longer reproduce it but it sounds like none of that so there really is no damage to like i can just carry on doing whatever i want with my artwork and you just yeah. bought the the ghost of it online.
2: That's a good way of putting it. Yeah.
1: So yeah. their art is getting rich on yeah, this. Right. Must be kind of, you know, like if... Actually, that's a if,
0: wonderful if, analogy, Justin, because not everyone believes in ghosts.
1: Right. And won't the poster of that piece that, you know, John Stamos owns the NFT of this for $13 million. I'm going to sell that poster like hotcakes and make money off of it there as well and... Make it into T-shirts yeah. and put it on keychains. and Totally. I don't know. Yeah, it does seem very uh, snake oil salesman-ish-esque.
0: I hear, though, that yeah. NFTs do cure rheumatoid arthritis, though. You just rub it on your joints. Oh, well, there you go.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, because, you know, it, it's also preying on people. It's There's no... Uh, it's not coincidence, pardon me, that the rise of the NFT, the rise of the stock market stuff, all the games, stocks, stocks, stuff that went on coincided with stimulus check arrivals. Mm. People who suddenly felt like they had a bit of room to try something that they wouldn't normally try with money they didn't normally have. And uh, some people did very well, but that's not how the stock market works. The stock market doesn't allow everyone to do well all the time. Mm-hmm. Right? It allows a small amount of people to do well all the time. And the free market economy means it's a different group of small people every day. Whereas when we're on a, at the show floor, we see who's doing well and who isn't. And you can see trends move and... And uh, uh, flow like um, alternate covers are the NFTs of the comic book world.
1: That oh, silver right? surfer in silver foil wasn't that one of the right? Yeah, for me, it was the Spider well, all those things. Anytime a, Spider a, Spider a Spider
0: comic, w- sorry, yeah, well, all the men, I. I've and i've been participant in that when we did the baby metal book we did alternate covers why because some fans will collect them all
2: yeah some people really it's not a
0: gigantic it. artistic yeah but it's but not what? an artistic uh it's not founded in artistic integrity
2: no but it's is founded it in monetary color a cover. Strategy. is it a different image for the cover alternate covers
0: yeah, alternate covers are often alternate or also are often that way, and yes, the exactly. idea is that you get a popular artist to do your alternate cover. You pay him eleven hundred bucks or two grand, or sometimes way less, and they do your alternate cover, and then you might sell another four thousand, five thousand, ten thousand copies of that book as a result. So if you're the publisher, the person who has all the Gregory dollars, you're the one that wins in the end.
2: See, I don't mind that so much. What I don't like is when they take, like for example, the Todd McFarlane one. You guys remember back in the nineties? Um, it was a sil- It was the exact same image. It was just the same. Spider silver Man and gold, image, right? Silver and gold. Yep. Yeah. The, and the silver one, I think, was the more rare one. I had both of them, uh, but I, I mean, silver
0: and gold.
2: Silver
0: and gold. <laughs>
2: there we go. Right, Cornelius. Um, right. Is that the guy's name? I don't remember. Yeah, Cornelius. Yeah,
0: something like that. Is that going to be the clips we have to use? No. I'm a dent. I want to be a dentist. Um, Shit. How do we get on this rant? It's my fault, right? Change change the subject. All your fault. Yeah. Um, dear listener, if you have bought some NFTs, I guess that's you know that's okay. It's your money. You can do what you want. But if you've bought some NFTs of my work, um.
2: I didn't approve that. See, is that is that what's happening? Is people are people making NFTs out of your work?
0: Oh yeah! In oh, fact, yeah. what's happening? A funny twist. Part of me appreciates this. Is people are who are speaking out really loudly again? NF against NFTs. Those tweets are being turned into NFTs by other yeah.
1: people. Well, and then won't the like say say yeah? Somebody makes an NFT of your work. Can you do you not have grounds to like? They, somebody made money off not real money. your copyrighted material are they don't people own the copyright get sued they just on the receipt they okay. own the, they own the ghost of it yeah
0: They own the ghost yeah. yeah okay yeah it's a very it's a legal loophole because they haven't existed before this year right or maybe right. last year. i want you to be at the united nations building with my wife and son hey, maybe we could sell NFTs at the table. Uh, What would we call it? What would it really stand for? Not effing trying. Something (laughs) like that, right? (laughs) You can sell, you can buy my NFTs, my not fucking tryings of this artwork for $100. Or you can buy the regular print for twenty dollars, why
1: don't they the buy the the deed Absolutely to <laughs> nothing.
2: <laughs> what you should do is make it an actual ghost of your image. So whatever, if it's a if it's a you know an image from you know a dragon Annie or something, you make it like a ghost of the dragon. <laughs> you can make it. Everybody, everybody. Now we're talking. Is ghosts. <laughs> so it literally.
0: Is now, if there's somebody listening to this, one of our dear listeners who's really deep into the Bitcoin world, who thinks that I've grossly misrepresented this. Reach out to us and come be a guest. Come set us. Like, I don't think
2: you're misrepresenting Bitcoin um, because I think we all understand what Bitcoin is. But I do, th- I think you're right in that a lot of people confuse it with a currency. People do think that it's a, currency, and it's not, it's like gold. It's, gold isn't a currency, right? Gold is, is a commodity. Right. It's, yeah. it's something that, even though you can yeah. buy things with gold, right? You can, I'm sure there's people who would still accept it.
0: Not everyone accepts gold. gold. Exactly. Right? I make jokes in all of my publisher meetings that I'll take money or I will take. Ah, uh, gold doubloons buried by the oak tree in the moonlight, and the farthest <laughs> acre of my property. Um, so far, no one's taken me up on the second one, though I would accept it.
1: I uh, maybe I'll take I, you on that one day. I always thought it would be cool, like along these lines, to um, like sell at a convention a USB with the last working file of a digital painting. You've it comes with a piece of paper. Um, legally like saying that you've deleted all copies of this digital painting from your computer. So the only native file, the only working file of this PSD painting now exists on that flash drive. And you could like put it in a cool frame with like a little plaque you or something.
2: You would have to do that. Right. right?
1: You have to make the and that flash- would be kind of cool. I don't know what people would do with it, but that that's well, kind of we'll neat make, to like we'll own of copies of it. They can make a bunch of copies.
0: But can't they make a copy anyway? Anyone with a good scanner can scan any of our art and make copies. Well so that's why you have the work like the native file, like the actual working file. Like
2: for for a piece that was done digitally, you're talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah, with yeah.
0: and stuff. Yeah. It only worked for it. you know what actually there's some value in that for your files, Justin, because because um, vector scales. It's true. Right? Um, because I'm working in pixels and not vectors, um, my art can't be scaled up to building size, but yours can. Mm -hmm. My whole life is a lie. I'm just a ghost compared (laughs) to your work, right? Um, interesting.
1: You have to sell your brushes. That's the big thing for digital painters is they, uh, they sell brush packs.
0: Yeah, they do sell brush packs. They I'm sell actually, Adobe uh, picks them up. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The uh, yeah, it's interesting, right? Because everyone wants to get rich quick, uh, and I find that the more people argue to justify why it's okay, it's almost guaranteed that it's not okay. And there's a lot of hot air being blown into the sales of NFTs. Are great.
1: Uh, there doesn't there seem to great- be any hard work involved either, which makes me suspicious. When nobody has to work for it, you know?
0: Oh, but you need to have money. And money is inherently yeah. is stored labor. So someone
1: worked for it once. When the, uh, before the Apple App Store had um, like much regulation, there was that I'm rich app. It was like a $2,000 app. And all it did was say, I'm rich. And it was oh, up on the oh, app store for, yeah, what, you're potty mouth this episode, but um, yeah, yeah the app store it is. Is. was up on got the me. store long enough to sell, like, you know, it just took one half celebrity to buy it before everybody was like, oh, I got to get the I'm rich app just to flaunt it. It was eventually taken down, but this, this feels similar. Yeah, that is similar.
0: I mean, it's like anything. It's like a super fancy car that you're not allowed to drive fast, right? Like, we I think you can make a strong argument to say that those very expensive cars are incredible feats of engineering. Like, incredible. But you, as the owner of it, never actually get to use it the way it's intended or designed, I should say, not intended. Because it's intended to attract you to buy it for an enormous amount of money. But right. you can actually never do what it's designed to do and so actually does it have the value that you ascribe to it no it's just imaginary you get real esoteric here because money ultimately is just imaginary too (laughs) right because it used to be based on gold and it used to be based on labor right but now you can just have the mint make more of it Oh, we're running a deficit. Don't, don't worry. We'll just add a few more trillion dollars into the economy. Let's talk
1: about something fun to finish the podcast off on. Something uplifting. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. I have uh, <laughs> all of my, all of my good news. I, I is all vague news. Like I have, all um, vague news. yeah. One publisher for one project has just signed a major deal with a worldwide distributor and a meeting with them on Tuesday virtually to discuss what that means for uh the book that i'm doing with them um
2: okay so what i don't do have any high hope that statement you just made when you can reveal all those details i'm gonna take that statement and gonna uh, i'm gonna sub in all the actual names of the
0: things. amazing yeah because <laughs>
2: so can you can't say yeah but you will we will be able yeah. to find out eventually right
0: yes uh hopefully sooner than later um And then the other publisher I was talking to uh, is going to get back to me about that uh, silent comic Um, and then also some big news on the role playing game I've been designing front. So like there's been a lot of fun stuff, but all of it is um, it's tenuous at best. And right now it's all dreams and promises. So I have to see it come to fruition. One really good piece of news, Justin, that I'll say you shared with me. We completely sold out of Dragon Nanny at our local favorite bookseller. Yeah. Right now, oh, nice. And we had to restock. And In less than a everyone, month.
1: And with no promotion of any kind, I just dropped off books. And before I could post that they were there. They were sold out. Um, so.
0: So, we're restocking and we're going to uh, promote a little bit, but it just goes to show that a book that would never have existed the way it does now, if not for the pandemic, you know, kind of achieved its final form um, as a physical object that you can own, ladies and gentlemen. Not Mm -hmm. just the receipt, but the object itself.
2: But how much Bitcoin is it worth?
0: It's a good question. Should we should we mint the pdf of i don't think you can do pdfs you'd have to do every page can we do nfts of all of dragon nanny
1: see i want to try my fancy usb thing i want to find a really cool usb like a really cool looking one and put it in a frame and put in like an old painting on it and delete all the files of it and and explain that's what it is and put it up for bidding and see what happens as a digital artist, know, that that gets me more excited than I'm sure you've this got NFT thing. That
2: you could, like, you've got older pieces that you could, you feel. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: Isn't it
0: just a? Isn't it just like the way that people used to sell book cards, like digital books? You had those like plastic cards, and people would sell you their novel as a plastic card instead of as a book. That. and the technology so you don't even know what i'm talking about because the technology died and now there's yeah. no way to use yeah. those things anymore after a few years technology iterates at such a rate that your it? usb Explained idea it, they were just like download stuff? cards or whatever oh, for books
2: okay yeah yeah okay oh they did that for books okay right? I've, I've done that for like yeah music and stuff like that like you used to see, get that at starbucks all the time a little download card for a song or whatever
0: Yeah, the key word here, I believe, is used to.
2: Yes, that's right.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Right? And so technology moves at such a pace that I'm sure there's a lot of things that are that will one day be how it used to be. So your physical object, though, your print itself, telling people that it's the last one because you've destroyed the file, I think is more valuable than giving
1: them the file. That is why I like numbering prints when I do limited runs. It does feel like... a bigger I'm a step towards being a real artist when I have a a limited run of prints right it's just not printing forever for all eternity
0: yeah right well it's a scarcity principle kicks in right people think that if they have one of an item that is limited that they're more special really you sell specialness when you number things
1: yeah I like that
0: it's um it's I don't know. It's problematic sometimes though. I mean, the real way to be an entrepreneur is not to philosophize ever just go after the money. The unfortunate thing is, uh, um, I think I have, um, it might be a little smidgen of a conscience once in a while. I'm not sure. I'll have it checked out. I'm sure a doctor can let me know. I'm to go to a doctor about that. I was going to say, all right. Right. But if it grows, it could cause me problems. Uh-oh. Right, you wouldn't want your conscience to grow too big because you can cause it can cause a lot of trouble with your uh, willingness to exploit people for money, which you know. Uh, hmm. Hmm. I thought we were gonna go happy. Now we ended up down here again. Is That's it my okay. fault?
2: No, it's okay. We got to wrap it up though. We're at an hour.
0: Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, uh, this has been super pulp science where we talk about how genre gets made how nfts are probably the tulip bulbs of our new generation look that up on the internet it'll be fun um i'm your host gregory Kamichuk, reminding you to join the fight make art and keep your receipts